0: To Hebrews chapter 11, conclude the 11th chapter of Hebrews uh, this morning, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, and um, we're going to begin at verse 30. So verse 30 through the rest of the chapter, and let's just stand together in honor of God's word. Let's stand together in honor of God's word. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled. For seven days, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies and what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon Barak, Samson, Jetha, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who, through faith conquered kingdoms. Enforce justice, obtain promises, stop the mouse of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness. Became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fly. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging. Even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. Destitute. Afflicted. Mistreated. Of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains. And in dens and caves of the earth. And all these. Though, commitment, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do pray, Lord, for... Those on the mission trip, as they travel back to us, we pray, Lord, that you'll give them safety as they travel. We thank you for the good ministry that took place over these past few days. We are excited about hearing more, Lord. We thank you for that. and Lord, we just pray now as we turn to your most holy word, we just pray that, that the Holy Spirit of God might. Take your word, break it for us, that we might understand it, that we might better apply it to our lives, that we might live in obedience to it. For we pray in Jesus' name and for His sake, Amen. Well, for the last few weeks, we have been studied the great chapter of faith in the Bible, Hebrews chapter eleven. Back in Hebrews chapter eleven, chapter ten, verse thirty-eight. It says, the righteous shall live by faith. In fact, that's the theme. That's really the theme of the entire book of Hebrews. The righteous shall live by faith. God calls us as believers to live a life of faith, trusting him. But what does it mean to have faith? What does the life of faith look like when you see it fleshed out in a person's life? Well, the author of Hebrews, he answers that question by giving us real-life examples of men and women in the Bible who live that kind of life, who live the life of faith. God wants us to see what faith looks like when it is lived out in the lives of real people. So we saw the faith of Abel and Noah and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. These were great people of faith, heroes of the faith who trusted God and trusted his promises. Now, in our passage this morning, we see more Hebrews of the faith. I was wondering how I was going to, you know, title this message, and I decided on more heroes of the faith, because that's what we see. We see more heroes of the faith. Some are mentioned by name, some are not, but they're all men and women who live by faith. The first thing I want us to see this morning is faith wins victories. Faith wins victories. Just look at verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, and I assume you do, you know that Joshua was a big player in the battle of Jericho. But his name is not mentioned here not one time. Not one time is... Is Joshua's name mentioned? Well, the author of Hebrews wants to highlight the people of faith. God's people who had faith, not the faith of one individual. Well, when Israel crossed the Jordan River, the first place they came was to the city of Jericho. Jericho was the most fortified cities in all of the Canaanite cities. And that's where the conquest of the land began, in Jericho. Now, what's so amazing about this story is the strategy that, that God used to conquer Jericho. A very unusual strategy. In other words, Jericho would not be conquered by military wisdom or, or military might, Jericho would be conquered by faith in God. That's it. And God's strategy was amazing march around the city one time for six days, just march around the city. One time for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around the city seven times, and the priests will blow the trumpets, and the people will shout in unison, and the walls will fall down. That was God's strategy. That was it. And God wanted the people to know that the battle would be won by faith. Not by them, but by faith. Well, the people followed God's plans, and guess what? The walls fell down just as God said it would. Then the people went into the city and conquered it. Uh, Just a side note, when we were in Israel a few years ago, we visited the ancient site of the city of Jericho where archaeologists had dug down deep into the earth and uncovered the original bricks of the foundation of the walls of Jericho. And that was a sight to see. Yes, the walls fell down. They fell not by man's power. They fell not by military might, not by some great genius military strategy, but by faith in God. The people believed God, and the walls came tumbling down. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a-tumbling down. A great little song, but... Not quite accurate, because God is the one who fought the battle of Jericho. The people just believed and watched God do the work. Just watched God do the work. Uh, Faith works victories. Secondly, I want us to see that faith saves from ruin. Faith saves from ruin. Look with me at verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, that is, the people of Jericho, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, we've already seen that there was a lot of faith outside the walls of Jericho, but there was also faith inside the walls of Jericho, and that faith was the faith of Rahab. You know, you normally don't think of a prostitute as a woman of faith. You really don't. But she was just that. She was a woman of faith. When the spies came to search out the city before the battle began, they came to Rahab's house. I believe God led them there. And they did not go there for any immoral purpose. They went there because God led them there. And we read um, in verse 31 that uh, she gave them a friendly welcome. She received the spies, gave them safe haven, haven. protected them, and sent them on their way. She demonstrated by that act great faith in God. Just imagine, here was a Canaanite woman, a prostitute at that, who by faith rejected her own nation, rejected her own people, and identified with God and his people. And her faith demonstrated her loyalty to the one and the true God. And she was really saying, in effect, I'm no longer a Canaanite. I believe she was also saying, I'm no longer a prostitute. From now on, I belong to God and his people. I cast my lot with them. I cast my lot with them. That's faith. We see her incredible faith in the words to the spies who came to her home. In Joshua chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the sea of, Gal- uh, of the Red Sea before you, when you came out of Egypt, and that you did to the two kings, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, notice this faith, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now, I'm telling you, that's faith. And that came from a pagan Canaanite woman who had come to faith in the true and the living God. And as a result of her faith, Rahab and her family were saved from ruin. You know the story. You know the story about the scarlet cord that was hung out and, and after the, the, the city was, was, was taken, she and her family were the only ones who, who survived. Faith will save you from ruin. By the way, faith will do that today. Faith will save you from ruin today. Faith in Jesus Christ, trusting him as your savior, will save you from ruin in hell it really will, by putting your trust in Him and faith in Him. The, the, the simple verse, John three sixteen, 16, from God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that who, whoever believes in Him, whoever trusts Him, whoever puts their faith in what He did on that cross for them and His resurrection shall not perish, that's hell, but have eternal life. So, my friend, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I just want you to know if you do, he will save you from eternal ruin. But, you know, Rahab's story doesn't end in Jericho. Years later, Rahab married an Israelite man and became the mother of another great man of faith. And we know him by the name of Boaz. His story is told in the book of Ruth. Boaz married the young Moabite woman Ruth. But the story does not end there. Boaz became the father of Obed. And Obed became the father of Jesse. And Jesse became the father of David. And that puts Rahab, who once was a harlot, a prostitute, in the direct lineage of Jesus Christ. God can can use anyone if they put their trust and faith in him early we see faith works in weakness faith works in weakness verse 32 and what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon Barak Samson Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets now all these men were men of great faith but if you've if you know anything about them, if you read their story, you know that we're also men of great weakness. I mean, they were far from perfect. They were un- imperfect people, yet they're included here in God's hall of faith. <laughs> they're included. These weak people are included. Now, this tells me something very important. You don't have to be perfect, you don't have to have it all together to be a man or woman of faith for God to use you. I'm so glad of that. Man, that's encouraging to me. I don't know if it's encouraging you, but that's very encouraging to me that you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect. You know, God can still use you and me. Well, we read about Gideon. Where do we first meet Gideon? We don't find him leading a great army into battle. Where do we find him? We find him hiding in a cave, thrashing wheat in fear of the Midianites, his enemies. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of faith to me. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, the angel said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, I personally believe that the Lord is using a little sarcastic humor here. Because at this time in his life, this man was was not a mighty man of valor. I I believe God saw what he would become, not what he was at that moment. (laughs) He was scared to death. And when God called him to deliver Israel from the Midianites, he tried his best to get out of it. It reminds me of another man, Moses, who tried to talk God out of calling him to go to Pharaoh in egypt well he tried to talk him out of it too in judges chapter 6 verse 15 he says please lord how can i save israel behold my clan is the weakest in manasseh and i am the least in my father's house by the way manasseh was probably the least of all the tribes and he said my family is the least of of that tribe and you know man my father's house man, we're really nothing On top of that, Gideon asked God to give him signs to confirm his promises. That doesn't sound like a lot of faith to me. Face it, Gideon was weak, but God is in the habit of using weak, ordinary people like Gideon. In spite of his weakness, Gideon showed great faith in God. Great faith in God. When God ordered him to, re, to reduce his army from 32,000 to 10,000, and then to 300, he obeyed. He didn't argue with God. He, he didn't say, God, I, you know, I've been thinking about this. You know, I don't think this is a good idea to do that, man. There are 10,000s of these Midianites ready for battle. I don't think that's a good idea for us to do that. No, by faith, Gideon led 300 men armed with only torches, just torches, and routed the entire Midianite army. And we read in Judges seven twelve, whose camels could not more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Now, that's faith. That's faith. I'll see, faith works in weakness. It's true of Gideon. It's also true of Barak. Barak was a judge too, and he was weak. Barak was so weak that he was scared to go into battle unless a woman went with him. <laughs> and that woman was Deborah. Uh, he said in Judges chapter 4, verse 8, Barak said to Deborah, If you will go with me, I will go, but if you will not go, I will not go. Doesn't sound like a lot of faith to me, does it Do you? In fact, Deborah replied to him in Judges 4, 9. She said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you're going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Now, let me just paraphrase what, let me paraphrase what I think she was saying. She was saying, okay, Barak, I will go with you, but I think you're one big sissy. I think you're one big sissy. I think that's what she was saying. But in spite of his weakness, faith carried the day, didn't it? Barak, with only 10,000 men from only two small tribes in Israel, won a resounding victory over Sisera with his 900 chariots of iron and his innumerable number of troops. Faith works in weakness. And then Samson. We normally don't think of Samson as a man of of faith, do we? He was a womanizer. He was an adulterer. He was given over to sensuality and fleshly lust. yet God used him to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Now, now please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's okay to live a double life. I'm not saying it's okay not to practice what you preach. But what I am saying is this. God does use imperfect people. And, and Samson is, is a perfect example of that. On one occasion, Sam, Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone jaw of a donkey. But, you know, Samson's greatest act of faith took place at the very end of his life when he was captured and blinded by the Philistines. And I'm sure you know the story. They brought Samson out in order to mock him and to jeer him and for him to entertain them, placing him between two great villas of a house where 3,000 Philistines gathered. And in Judges chapter 16, verse 28, We read, then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may avenge, that I may be avenged on the Philistines. And the Lord answered his prayer and he pushed against the two pillars upon which the house rested and the house fell, killing all the Philistines, including himself. And in Judges chapter 16, verse 30, we we see the summary of his life. It says, So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Wow. Faith works in weakness. And then (laughs) Jetha, He was another judge in Israel who delivered Israel from the Ammonites. And, And this man was quick to speak. And uh, he made a foolish vow to the Lord. And this is when he said, Lord, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, the first one who comes out of my house, when I return home to meet me, I will offer as a sacrifice to the Lord. Now that was his vow. What a stupid vow to make. Well, he won the battle. And when he returned home, the first person that came out of his house to meet him was his own daughter, was his own daughter. And immediately he realized, what a fool am I? What a fool am I to make such a a foolish vow to the Lord? Well, he made the vow, and to keep the vow, he sacrificed, listen to this, he sacrificed his own daughter to a life of perpetual virginity, never to marry, And to have a family. You know when we look at these men of weakness. What we see is failure don't we? That's what we really see. Failure. Weakness. But God sees something that we don't often see. And that is faith. Well fourthly faith triumphs over the impossible. Faith triumphs over the impossible. Look at verses 33 and following. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. I want you to notice some of these triumphs of faith here. We don't have time to spend much time here, but conquered kingdoms. I think of David who conquered many kingdoms. Enforced justice. I think of King Solomon who was the wisest man to ever live other than the Lord Jesus Christ who had great wisdom to judge Israel. Obtained promises. I think of the Davidic covenant when when David was promised by God that his descendants would forever sit on his throne. Stop the mouths of lions. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. Quench the power of fire. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love that story. They would not bow. They would not bow. They said, O king, God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, but even if he doesn't, we still will not bow down. Escape the edge of the sword. I think of David who escaped Saul's sword many times. Many, many times were made strong out of weakness. I think of Moses who said, I can't go to the Pharaoh. I can't go to Egypt. But God had, God made him a mighty leader of men. Became mighty in war. I think again of David. Put foreign armies to fight. Again, I think of King David. Women received back their dead by resurrection. You know, I think of Elijah the prophet who stretched himself over The dead body of the widow's son, three times, and cried out to God for his life. And then he carried the child alive to his mother. Oh, people of faith, I want you to look back at the words in verse 34 again. They were made strong out of weakness, they were made strong out of weakness. Again, that's very encouraging to me because I don't know what it means to stop the mouths of lions. The closest I've ever been to a lion was at a zoo. I don't know what it means to quench the power of fire. The closest I've ever been to fire is a campfire. But I do know what it is to be weak. I know what it is to be weak. And in my weakness... I can identify with these men who were weak, but God made strong as they trusted in him. Again, folks, God is not looking for perfect people, people who have it all together. He is looking for weak people who will put their trust in him. And as I said many times, that if we have that faith, we can be included in God's hall of faith. We can be included in God's hall of faith like what Paul says in Philippians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. You know what that tells me? That tells me that, that God's power, God's strength is available to us in our weakness if we put our trust in him. Oh, there's one other thing I want us to see about faith before we end this chapter, and that is faith suffers. We, we don't normally like to think about that, but, but faith suffers. Faith is not always rewarded in this life. Faith is not always rewarded on this side of heaven. There's not always a miracle. There's not always a miracle. There's not always a deliverance. Things don't always turn out okay to those who live by faith. Look with me at verses 35 and and following. Some were tortured. (laughs) That didn't turn out too good for them, did it? Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. That didn't turn out too good for them. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Didn't turn out too good for them. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. We're going to come back to that. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I like what it says. In verse 35, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. They did not accept deliverance. They could have. They could have if they had renounced their faith, but they didn't. Why? Because they were looking for a better life in heaven. You know, persecution is not something that just happened in the first century church. Persecution is going on today in the 21st century church. Our brothers and sisters literally around the world are suffering torture and imprisonment and even death. Why? Just because they love Jesus. Not because they've done anything wrong. Just because they're followers of Jesus. Just because they won't renounce Jesus. Just because they love Jesus. Did you know that more Christians have died for their faith in the last 100 years than in all the previous centuries combined? That's true. They were stoned. That's what happened to many of the prophets in the Old Testament. I think about about godly Stephen. He was stoned. They were sold in two. Tradition tells us that's what happened to the prophet Isaiah. These men of God didn't have a fair-weather faith. (laughs) They didn't have a fair-weather faith because they trusted God in the midst of the worst circumstances you can possibly imagine. You know, a fair-weather faith isn't really hard to have at all. But when the clouds gather, when the storm clouds blow in, it's not so easy to trust God. These men and women of God were foul-weather Christians. They had a foul-weather faith. And we need to ask God to give us a foul-weather faith, a faith that trusts God when the times are hard. We don't know what's ahead of us. We've had it pretty easy for a long time as American Christians. We don't know what's ahead of us. But, you know, I honestly believe that if persecution comes to the American church, we will stand for Christ. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. If persecution comes to the American church, if persecution comes to Wasmus Baptist, I believe that God's people will stand for Jesus Christ and not renounce Him. Because that's what God's people do. That's what God's people have done for centuries. I've always loved that poem, Trust Him. It's an anonymous poem. I first saw it in a a sympathy card that I sent a friend who lost their son. Trust Him when dark clouds assail thee. Trust Him when thy strength is small. Trust Him when to simply trust Him seems the hardest thing of all. Trust him, he is ever faithful. Trust him for his will is best. Trust him for the heart of Jesus is the only place to rest. Trust him through clouds or sunshine. All thy cares upon him cast till the storms of life are over and the trusting days are past. The greatest compliment that is given to these men and women of faith is given in verse 38 where it says, Of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. The world with all of its riches, with all of its power, with all of its wealth was not worthy to be in their company. Therefore, they were were deprived from their company. notice how this great chapter ends in verse 39 and 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. All these men and And women of God, these men and women of faith that we have read about, did not see the fulfillment of the greatest promise of all, the promise of the coming of the Messiah. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't live to see him. But we have lived to see the promise fulfilled. All of us have. We received the promise that they were looking for. Don't you see their faith looked forward to what the Messiah Jesus would do Our faith looks back to what Jesus has already accomplished for us. But one day, all of God's family, all of God's family, saints of the old and saints of the new, will spend eternity together in the presence of God in heaven. I want to close with this. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore. All that happy, On that happy golden shore. What a day. Glorious day that will be. There will be no sorrow there. No more burdens to bear. No more sickness. No pain. No more parting over there. And forever I will be. With the one who died for me, what a day, glorious day, that will be. Amen. Let's pray together.